Welcome to the LCAL, a low-carb ancestral living podcast. I'm your host, Pim Dalton, and each week I'm bringing you new guests who will share their opinions and tips on different topics related to health and Enjoy! Hi and welcome to LCAL, a low-carb ancestral living with Pim Johnson. Today I have Tiffany with me. You might have seen me being interviewed by Tiffany not long ago for her podcast. So today we're going to do the opposite. I'm going to interview her about her addiction, which is alcohol. And I know for a fact that that applies to a lot of you people who are watching this. Because every time I talk about sugar addiction, you tell me that that's not my problem. I just drink instead. So I want her to share her story and I'm hoping that we can get into what she's doing for a living because that is very interesting to me, how she's um, managing all of that. And yeah, I'm just going to leave the floor to you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Pim, so much for having me on today. Um, It is a pleasure and an honor to be here and share just my story of overcoming this, uh, this addiction that has plagued not only me, but um, my parents and my ancestors, and it goes back so far that, um, yeah, I, I do feel like I have to be the one to break it. Um, so yeah, to start, I guess I'd like to just talk about my my family's history with it. Both yeah. my mom and my dad, um, both of their sides have dealt with alcoholism. Um, most of my uncles and aunts on my dad's side he's one of four and i can say for sure that all of them are alcoholics and on my mom's side she is one of 13 and um not all of them are alcoholics but the men definitely are and the women there's some that do dabble here and there maybe like one or two aunts are um yeah and it's uh it's something that's just been so like normalized i think in my family it's um just part of our culture my dad is from south korea and my mom is from mexico and it is just something that um i guess it is part of the culture like when you think i guess like growing up in the korean and mexican culture you know alcohol was always there like beer and soju uh, which is the korean drink of preference where it was so prevalent in every family function and so um I grew up as a little kid just being so used to seeing the substance in our families. And for me, um, I remember my dad, he was an immigrant, so he worked really, really hard here in the United States. And to get some of the stress off, he would drink. And we would see our family a lot, and then he would drink. But for him, he would become so fun. And I was so used to seeing my dad stressed when he was sober. So I remember as a kid just seeing him drink the substance and he would become this really fun dad. Where he was like carefree and fun and and I loved it. So I feel like, I mean, through therapy, I understood that I pair that up as like a positive correlation with alcohol yeah. and my dad. And um. And I think that's also why I started to drink th- too, because um, I wanted to be fun and carefree. Mm-hmm. And I saw my I, my dad do that for that reason. So once I started to get older, I that was normal to me. You know, it was like, oh well, he that's what you're supposed to do. Um, so 
Yeah. Um, I did start drinking pretty early on. I was always so curious about it, too, because it always looked like they were having so much fun. They were always laughing and singing and dancing. And so from an early age, um, me and my cousins, we would sneak it and then we would, you know, start to partake on the side and just mimic what our parents were doing. Um, and it's interesting, though, because at the same time, my mom was very against alcohol, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And she was, uh, she started, she was organizing Al-Anon groups. And if you guys don't know what Al-Anon is, it's a uh, support group for family members and friends of the alcoholic so now there's there are there's support for those that are around the alcoholic, alcoholic, not just for the alcoholic, which is um, AA. So she was on fire. Like, she was so passionate about these groups. They had helped her cope with her family. And then now that her husband, she was dealing with an alcoholic husband, she was opening up her own groups. And she was so involved in that. And so I grew up going to these meetings with her, participating, um, I remember being in like she would do these like skits in front of the people and she would and I would be this little girl and she would force me to be in the skits to reenact like the drunken family family and how alcohol affects the family. It was so <laughs> ironic. Mm. So cute. Uh, I can just imagine. And, <laughs> yeah. And little, you know, little did I know that I would fall into the same thing, but it was good, I think, that I had that those teachings and those experiences because that helped me later on when I chose to get sober, remembering those skits and the, the teachings. Um, so, yeah, and later on, um, I went to college, and I think that's where it went downhill from there because now I was free, and I was, I was on my own, and... There was absolutely no one telling me no, and I, that's when I just, yeah, I lost control. Um, and there was never like, oh, just a beer here and there. It was every single time I went to drink, it was blackout, drunk. And this was, yeah, during college where it was happening, you know, several times a week. And it was just a way to deal with the stress from the studies, deal with um, so many unresolved family issues and traumas. And I was like this person or uh, I guess this like young adult in the real world with absolutely no idea how to cope with my emotions, my anything real, anything that was hard to deal with. And I just did what I had grown up seeing my own dad do. Um, So that led to a lot of just blurry, hazy periods, a lot of getting into trouble bad grades um and i think i really do think that was what opened the doors and led me into a lot of other things um that i feel like were not very healthy for me like um just getting into drugs and casual sex and bad friendships and when i say bad i just mean like unhealthy that were probably not they're they're more yeah toxic i would say when you were drinking at this age, did it ever occur to you that you were doing the thing that your mom didn't like seeing your dad doing and kind of make the connection between the Al-Anon meetings and what you have heard there and what you were doing now? 
Hmm. I guess I I I didn't I don't think I remember it at the time making that connection. I feel like at that time I was just so focused on having fun. Um I think appearing cool, being ups- accepted by my peers and being able to outdrink mm. everyone. Um that was more prevalent in my mind. Yeah. And, but I think in the back, very, very back of my head, those teachings were there because I remember turning to like some of her books and then I I do remember um, sharing some of the books with my friends and they didn't want anything to do with them because the books were talking about going back to your traumas and talking about the traumas. And my friends were like, no, we don't want to do this. I was like, okay, yeah, let's not do that. And it was just like that brief period. (laughs) Yeah, They're like, no, no, we're not doing that right now. So. Wow. So this was ongoing the whole time you were studying? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was throughout the whole studies. I honestly don't even remember studying that much or the school part. I just remember partying was that's pretty (laughs) much all I remember. I luckily graduated and made it through um, and. After that, um, it was more of that, and I just felt even more lost after that. I was living with an ex, and we were, again, just... uh, I had graduated from a university, and I was just sticking to uh, working at a fast food place and just getting drunk all the time and smoking a lot of weed, and that was my life. And I, I, looking back, I can see that I was just trying to numb because I didn't want to face any of my childhood traumas. I didn't want to face the real world and my life and life in general Um, until it all like caught up with caught up with me, I think. And I think also um, meeting other people and hearing their stories is what finally led me to accept that I had a problem and to and with these friendships and with the help of other people, I was able to face my own traumas and my own, um, the things that, that terrified me, um, through their support and not have to turn to alcohol to get through it. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Learning healthier coping mechanisms and therapy for sure. So how how did you come into contact with it? Or was it just, did you actually seek it out because you were just, okay, I've had enough of this now or, what, what triggered that? Um, yeah, I, I sought it out, I think, because I kept spiraling and my life would become this like giant ball of just like it was like a tornado where everything would just crumble. And it was these cycles where things would start to get better. And I could t- I finally made the connection where it was when the alcohol and the partying went got out of control is when my life would crumble and then i think it was um i'm 30 now when i was maybe 27 i went to go see a, a psychiatrist because i said i think there's something wrong with me like i can't control my life and that was when i first um started seeing a therapist and she suggested that I stop drinking. And to me, that wasn't a possibility. I was like, well, I can cut down, but I'm not going to stop. 
And um, but that was when I first sought the yeah. help and finally admitted that I needed the help. So how did that go then? Because uh, that's just three years. I mean, I say just three years, but for someone who's addicted to something and going from being where you were to where you are now, I mean, how, what happened? How how did you change your mind? Was there anything specific that happened? Or I'm curious. <laughs> Yeah, there was there was a lot. Um, with the journey with my therapist was definitely a roller coaster. I mean, like it was an up up and down um, journey, where you know we tried the medications, we tried different um, like therapy, um, like different um, practices, I guess that she would try. But I think what finally did it for me was um, just developing a spiritual practice. And for me, that clinging on to that is what did it for me and has helped me to this well, day. So for me, it was surrendering to God and saying like I, I but it started with that. And then I think that's what opened the doors to receiving the help from people, from doctors and then ultimately from a higher power, which. I have to surrender to every single day at the start of the day and admit that I can't do it on my own because every time I try to do it on my own and think thought that I could handle it, I would slip and fall. But now I, I don't know. It's it's different, I guess now with the help of a higher power yeah. and working on this spiritual yeah, discipline. So when you say slip and fall, what would usually happen? How bad were those slips <laughs> and the falls? I guess just relapsing. And so when things would be going well, you know, I would be on my medication and things would be going well. And then something, you know, a, a life happens. Traumas happen all the time. And because... I wasn't as strong or just didn't still didn't know how to cope with things. I would turn back to alcohol and then that would turn into a bender for days and where I'm drinking by myself and I'm just getting blacked out drunk by myself and and just becoming isolated from the world and being alone with my thoughts. And it's just a really, really dark hole. And that would be my slip and fall. And then to come back out of that, it's months and months to finally see the light at the end of the tunnel and then to finally reach it and be like, oh, my gosh, there went so much of my life yeah. again. Yeah. And something that I see, I mean, it's been a problem for me. It's probably a problem for most people who are addicted to anything is that once you are down that rabbit hole, it's so hard to climb up and. I don't know about you, but you kind of blame yourself, calling yourself a bit useless, those sort of thoughts that just makes everything a lot darker than it has to be. Did you have any help from the outside? Like, were you even able to receive help from the outside at those moments? Or was it like, I'm going to shut the doors now and I'm not going to have any contact with you until I'm done? Hmm. I feel like my friends and my family were helpful in that they would remind me of who I was, even though there were times where I would completely shut myself out. 
um, there would be friends and family and, um, you know, my cousin, she reached out and took me out to eat and she could just see that I was in such a dark, dark place. And her, she just shared and I think, yeah, it was, it was them that I um, were able to help and, and help me through those moments. Um, but I, I, at the same time, I also feel like writing helped me a lot because in those moments I would write and write and, and pray. Um, that's awesome. So if someone who's actually watching this right now, they are in such a place, what would you recommend that they do? Let's say they haven't sought out any help yet. Where would you tell them to go? Where would they start? So if they are dealing with the addiction, but they don't think that they need the help, oh, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say... Keep doing what you're doing until it hits you in your face, you know. But I would say think of think of your potential and think of how many people you can help by um, being an example. And we, you know, I feel like we all have the power to change people's lives. And a lot of us, we just waste that power because we just want to stay in our, like, our, what our vices. And, but I feel like fighting that um, gives us so much power to be able to help others and be a leader and step up and be able to help so many people. So I would say think of how many people you can help. Isn't, and, a lot of times we don't understand the impact that we can have on so many people around us, um, but we really do. Yeah. Awesome. So, how are you doing now? Um, I'm doing good. I'm with my podcast. I think I'm that has helped me on this journey. Just by being able to share my own story and be able to continuously talk to other people who motivate me and inspire me has kept me busy. Um, right now I feel strong with my faith. It is something that I, like I said before, I go to every day and I have to stay plugged in because to be honest, I am terrified. I am terrified for that day to come where I slip up and, and, and I recognize that fear and I, and I can, shamelessly say i am terrified because i ha that means i have to always be alert that i won't get there again hopefully um but i feel good i feel focused i feel alive i feel i mm, the other day i did something um that i was terrified to do uh i i went snowboarding and i went on this one of the boxes and it was some <laughs> and it was something that i've was always so scared to do and so it made me feel so alive and I made the I was meditating on how I used to use alcohol to feel that high and that feeling and it was just such a shortcut to that feeling and how much courage it took to go on that box and how awesome it felt afterwards and I was like I was hooked 
And I said, I want to keep doing these things, the things that terrify me in life. I want to go after these things um, and not resort to like the shortcut anymore. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Uh, so <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all about finding something different than any t- anything that you will be addicted to that will give you that joy and make you feel alive, as you say, and just kind of lights you up when you find those things and you can do them. Every now and then, doesn't have to be every day, but if you can find something that you can do every day, even better. When you find those things, you kind of find Mm. meaning in more productive things to do with your life. And that's just awesome. I'm excited for you. (laughs) Go snowboarding. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. So, do you want to tell us about your job, how long you've been there, and um, what sort of challenges you are facing there? Sure. So currently, I am a cocktail server at a comedy club where my job is to push as much alcohol as I can to my guests <laughs> and to recommend alcohol and to say, you know, let's get the party started, guys. What are we drinking? And and it's so it is a huge challenge. Um, but I think at the same time, it's it's helping me because I see them get so obliterated sometimes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that used to be me. And they will act so silly. <laughs> yeah. um, but it is, <laughs> it is a challenge. And then I work with a whole bunch of coworkers too who, you know, back in the day when I was drinking, are the tradition or just the habit was to go get a drink at the bar next door after work. And that was just like the weekly cycle. Um, so now I've had to take a step back and not join them as much anymore. And but I can still sometimes go out with them and, you know, we'll, I'll sit and talk. And then once they start drinking too much, then I'll head home. But it's um, pushing me more to get out and do other things and say, I think it's finally time to like close the chapter on this, this type of work that I've been for doing for so long because it was just easy and comfortable and it supported my alcoholic lifestyle. Yeah. So have your colleagues been supportive of you quitting or a bit, oh, why are you doing that? Uh, a little bit of both, okay. but I think in the end they're, they're, I can see that they're happy for me and some of them have, they like to mention to me or I've noticed that they'll tell me like how much, how much less they're drinking now and, we're starting to do other things outside of work. So with one coworker, we're going to the gym now. Other coworker, we're doing more photography stuff. So it sparked more activities besides just kind of like hanging out and wasting time and just spending money and wait and then wasting the next day waking up hungover. Like now we're doing other things. And um, I feel like it's been a positive uh, effect and and they also knew more, some uh, some of my story, so I, I can see that some of them have voiced that they have been happy for me, and then some other ones are like, "Oh, you're still doing that? Like, oh, you're being boring, yeah. you know?" And just like, okay, well, that's your own, your opinion. But yeah, I'm having fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm having a blast. <laughs> exactly, and it's amazing. I mean, you you actually influenced your workmates that you used to go out drinking with some of them anyway, to do other things that are healthier for them. So it's not just through your podcast that you might be able to 
influence people just by doing it. Everyone who used to see you as this old Tiffany when they see you doing this, and if they think that they need to quit, they might just be really inspired by what you're doing. So I, I think that's it's brilliant, and I'm I'm so impressed that you're working in a cocktail bar. I'm like, what? That's uh, no, it's amazing. <laughs> So, so what's your your plan moving forward? Just keep doing what you're doing, or do you have other plans? Do you have plans for the future that just simply can't involve drinking, or what's happening? Um, <clears throat> for sure, I want to stay sober. I think this is something that I'm. I really want to accept that this isn't just a temporary thing, and. I and I think it helps me when I see the larger picture, when I see the story of my parents and my ancestors and I say that this is something that has you know really haunted and cursed my family and I see like my family we had to deal a lot with poverty and I just feel like I can kind of see a connection there um with the with the alcoholism and and the abuse as well. Um, so I don't, I feel like this is, this character in the, the on our story, in our book of our family and my ancestors where I have, I'm this like, in the, in my in my book, you know, I'm the main character and I have to face this giant and battle it and not let it continue to destroy my family or keep us um, like in hell or in these like lower levels. And that I have to step up and take the sacrifice. You know, I I had so much fun. I had great times when I would drink. And yeah, there are times when I miss that feeling. It's, you know, that's why it's so popular because it's awesome. But I I feel like I do have to make that sacrifice for my future and my future generations and the future ancestors and just be that example and see if it will make any change. And I know that it will. So continue to stay sober, continue to work on projects to spread that message for my, my families and, you know, their kids and just those future generations. Um, And just continue to do more things that terrify me and doing them without liquid courage (laughs) and just do it with my own, my own self to say that. I (laughs) What does your family say? Um, my dad is kind of like, I don't know. I feel like he feels kind of judged. He doesn't say much. But for example, we just went out to eat the other day. And when the server came by to get the drinks orders, his first thing was, oh, me and both, both my brother and I became sober at the same time because we talked about it and we know how, like we're on the same page. So it's been really helpful. I probably should have mentioned that. That I have my brother by my side nice. through all of this. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a huge blessing to have him as my brother and to have a partner in this. But my bro- my dad instantly said, oh, these two are sober in like the sarcastic tone. And then that's so I don't know how he feels. He hasn't said anything. Yeah. And, you know, he'll still drink on our family meetings. And my mom, she's happy. She's really happy for us. Um, yeah. That's great. I feel like that is such a, a parent response, though. 
They don't usually like when we change. <laughs> But I think he will probably come around, and at one point he might actually tell you that he's proud of you. I really hope yeah. so. I think he is. But it's going to no, be hard to so. accept when he can't do it himself. And I, I don't have any children, but from what I can see, it's like, you know, when you're a parent, no matter how old your children are, you are supposed to teach them how to do things. So when they figure things out that you can't do yourself, it's kind of a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, and yeah, I can understand him. And that's why I won't say anything to him like you should quit you know this is destroyed i'm like that's your you have your own journey and i have my own yeah absolutely so in terms of alcohol would you ever consider like if if it's like okay it's christmas or it's new year would you consider having one glass or are you so scared of having one glass of wine or whatever that you rather not even think the thought I think right now I will say none, nothing, because one turns into two and turns two turns into four, four turns into eight and so on. So for now, I have to keep saying not even a drop. Yeah. It's so and maybe that will change in the future. Yeah. Oh, no. And that's, that's kind of my journey, but in reverse, because I could not go to the 100 percent abstinence. I had to go to having control of my sugar intake to moving towards the abstinence. But I think with alcohol, it's very often the opposite. That is really, really, for some reason, is very hard to control that one glass because you don't drink one glass of wine when you're an alcoholic. <laughs> it's just like you drink mm-hmm. one bottle plus one, maybe, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. It will oh, be yeah. interesting, and it will be interesting to follow your journey as well. And uh, I do believe that you can go to doing that if you want to. But yeah, I can understand why you're scared. Absolutely. Do you have any other words yeah. of wisdom that you want to share with the public? Um, I would say that. To have, to always look to defeat the things that have control over you and to always be on the lookout to see the things that you depend on for um, uh, comfort. Um, And it's so crazy. And and now that I'm more spiritual, I, I see that we have these like gods even though they're not like your typical god, but it could be so simple as shopping, gambling, smoking, you know, sugar. And they it's anything that has control over you and and that becomes like your story not just your story, but your game in life and gaining the courage to fight these things and is is what empowers you and helps you you know not only for you to experience more of life but to um i think help others as well experience more of life because when you're doing it other people can do it as well especially those around you and and knowing that there will always be people around to help and to be part of your journey and to aid you um And I think that's one of the greatest things that I've gotten in result of this journey um, of 
just dealing with the things that um, just my, my obstacles in general is just meeting so many other people who are also fighting the same mm-hmm. fight whatever their fight is but that they are fighting too and then we fight together and i help them when they're fighting and they help me when i'm fighting um because we're, we're just in this life together yeah. and we're celebrating it together we celebrate our wins and don't focus don't focus too much on the falls and just pick each other up and then continue to fight together and and that's and that's life so knowing you're not alone and um always looking asking for the courage and, and knowing that I, in my opinion in my experience there is a higher power that's there to help help and guide you and and to empower you to give you that strength beautiful i love that and one thing with addictions in general is the community seems to be number one like no one can quit anything on their own you need some support, or I say no one, but there might be an outlier or two. But in general, if you have the support, if you have the community, you can kind of get strength from that. So, yeah, awesome points. Oh, yeah, it's it's so yeah. important. I think that's a huge lesson. You, you really can't do it mm-hmm. alone. And it's kind of naive to think one can think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you do it on your own, I think the journey is going to be a lot longer, <laughs> at least. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And harder. So do you want to tell us about what type of interviews you're having on your podcast? Uh, I think it might interest a few people watching this. Sure. Um, the kind of interviews that I've been conducting so far on my podcast is with people who have overcame any uh, obstacle in their life. So... I have had the privilege and the honor to um, interview a gentleman in Nigeria who overcame poverty, um, someone who uh, overcame a toxic relationship, and those oof, those are traumatizing. <laughs> um, I had someone overcome low self-esteem and bullying, and I had you on there overcoming sugar addiction. Um, I have uh, another one who overcame being... Um, bewitched. Wow, that one is an interesting. I'm gonna one. have to listen yeah. to that. Being bewitched. <laughs> that piqued my interest straight away. I was like, what? <laughs> it's an interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tune in, tune in. It's a good one. It's very interesting. Yeah. And um, so all sorts, um, all sorts of obstacles. And I'm open to interviewing anyone just wanting to share their story of how they overcame any of their obstacles because there's always going to be someone out there who's going through the same thing that probably really can like can use um someone's story as inspiration and hope to be able to overcome theirs yeah there's no lack of of adversity in in the world Mm-mm. brilliant so we will post some links to your podcast in uh, in the show notes if someone watching this wants to be on your podcast uh, do you have contact details on your podcast so they can contact you Yes, um, you can email me at it's Trinity Dawn three three three. So Trinity T R I N I T Y Dawn is D A W N three 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 at gmail dot com. And then you can also post links to um, my Instagram. They can DM me directly on there, and 
yeah i think that's awesome okay thank you so much for coming here and sharing your story i'm sure it will be helpful to a lot of people and i think a lot of people are going to recognize themselves in your story as well so thank you thank you pim it's it was a pleasure and it's it feels really wonderful to be here in this moment right now to be able to be sharing my story with a smile on my face and know that and just this feeling of that i'm that i'm winning the battle you know so it is it is such an honor <laughs> thank you so much for this opportunity again thank <laughs> thanks for listening to the lcal podcast if you like the show and you want to support the show you can do so by sharing it with anyone who you think may benefit from listening to it or if you're so inclined you can make a donation over at paypal or at patreon and you will find the links in the description have an awesome day